not only did the barbecue restaurants here have to lay people off, but they lowered their flags to half-mast. So, <laughs> hey, this morning, I, let's, let's give our worship team and our tech team a big hand. They're here a long time, and God bless you guys, and uh, it's an honor. Um, my name's Ken, and I'm honored to be a part of our congregation here, and I'm honored that at TBA... Um, we are the hands and feet of Jesus, and we are living sent. What living sent means is church doesn't just take place here, but we take the body of Christ to try to help people in our community and around the world, like what we're doing in Honduras. And I also greatly value our pastors. Let's give our three pastors a big hand as well. God bless you guys. And um, I'm honored... I'm honored that they allow me to share periodically, and after what I say today, probably this will be my last time speaking before you. <clears throat> today we are continuing our series on love, sex, and devotion, and I want us to do something, start just a little differently today. I'd like you to stand and let's read uh, God's Word together. I'd like you to read it out loud. I'll talk about this in a little bit, but let's honor God today by, by uh, reading of His Word. At last, take a moment and pray with me, eternal, all wise God. We bless you that love, sex, and devotion were your idea it was your creation I pray that we would honor you this day in how we consider this topic and most importantly how we live it out in Jesus precious and honorable name we pray amen you may be seated this morning to conclude our series on love sex and devotion I'm going to try to tie some of the thoughts that were shared earlier together and then my theme is on how to uh, be devoted for a lifetime. Let's start today by a very quick survey. I've got five questions. If it applies to you, raise your hand, okay? This week, how many of you did an in-depth study of your genealogical tree? Anybody? In-depth study? Good, okay. Good. You're much smarter than the first service. They had nobody, okay? This week, how many of you did an in-depth study of the election process of 1860 because it's kind of parallel in that today? Anybody? Okay, no nerds like me. Uh, this week, how many of you thought about world peace and how you can handle it? Anybody? No? Okay, let me appeal to the spiritual among us. This week, how many of you thought about the second coming of Jesus and tried to decide if you were pre-post or all-millennial. Anybody? Okay, last question then. This week, at one point or another, how many of you at least thought about sex? Anybody? Okay, well since sex is apparently all this congregation thinks about, we're going to continue our, our talking about love, sex, and devotion. And, and I just want you to know that this is not an easy topic to talk about, but part of it is Part of it is, 
um, we have such a misunderstanding of what God's intent is. But the last two weeks, our pastors have done a marvelous job on these pro- pro- uh, topics. Two weeks ago, Stivey talked about Ephesians 5 and how husbands, what are we supposed to do? Love our wives and wives respect your husband. He did a masterful job in talking about how when the Bible says that the husband is the head of the house, that doesn't mean that you sit around in a wife beater t-shirt and yell, woman, get, my, get me a sandwich. That's not what it's talking about. What, it, what it's talking about is we're the head so that we bring life to the rest of the family. And it's my goal in all the rest of my life, as long as God gives me breath, to try to bring the best out of Narita. Amen? To try, to try to help her achieve whatever it is that God has laid on her heart. That's what it's talking about, about the head of the church. And then last week, Dave talked to us about, about love and what love is and what love isn't. And he reminded us that in order for real love, we have to be committed, we have to sacrifice, and most of the time, we don't sign up for that, right? We don't, we don't want this commitment and sacrifice, we just want all, all the, the fun stuff, no. But it's love, commitment, and forgive, forgive, forgive. So I thought about this this week as I was preparing my thoughts, why do we as a church Why do we talk about topics like love, sex, and devotion? I'll be honest, it's uncomfortable when a church talks about things like this and there's nobody here more uncomfortable than me. Okay, But why do we do it? Because our pastors are convinced that we need to explore topics that really matter in the households in Lakeland. Wouldn't you agree with that? Topics that really matter. And I'm grateful that God laid these themes on their their heart. Why? Because behind the white picket fences, behind the well-manicured lawns, behind the closed doors, things aren't always as they appear. And it's unfortunate because marriages today are struggling. And because they are struggling, it's imperative that churches talk about God's original intent for love, for sex, and devotion. Would you agree? Well, today I have been charged by our pastors to communicate what does it mean to be devoted for a lifetime. In two weeks, my brown-eyed girl and I will celebrate 33 years of marriage. 33. Yeah, thank you. That's that's one-third of a century. And I'm convinced that I'm getting old. That's what that means. Narita is still young and spirited, but... (laughs) one-third of a century, I'm getting old. But you know what? When she walked down that aisle in that beautiful white dress and my heart was just pounding out of my chest, I thought I loved her. And it's kind of like that old country song that says, I thought I loved her then. But what I know for certain is I love her more today than I did 33 years ago. But I also can make her a promise. I'm going to love her tomorrow more than I do today. So then the question becomes, how do we stay devoted for a lifetime? Well, I think if we need to figure out how to stay devoted, we need to understand why marriages are struggling and, and, and what can we as a church do about it. And, and, 
and people, young and old, are having mistakes about love, sex, and devotion because they're getting wrong information and there's a lot of misunderstanding. And that brings us back to the text that I had you stand earlier to read. Um, it all goes back to the garden. And after God had created everything, Adam says this, at last. Now, when Eve walked before him and he says at last, the original Hebrew means, wow. <laughs> ah. At last, Adam explained. She's a part of my own flesh and blood. And she will be called woman because she's taken out of man. Now, this next verse, verse 24, is frequently quoted at weddings or in services where, where churches talk about love, sex, and devotion. But I'm here to tell you, this text also should be a parenting verse. Every parent should apply the first part of this verse. It says, for this reason, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother. Stop right there just for a moment. I know this isn't a parenting teaching. One of the biggest problems in the church today in Christian parenting is Christian parents that don't teach their kids to leave. You see, we have this big fear that, that the big bad world out there is going to just destroy our kids and so we're kind of taught let's keep them, keep them close, keep them close, keep them close and we don't prepare them to leave. So parents, one of our primary responsibilities is to train our kids and to teach our kids what it means to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But while we're doing that, we have to prepare them because most of their life, they're not living with us. And as a pastor for all those, those, those years... One of the biggest problems in counseling that I found in marriage problems was somebody didn't know how to leave mama or mama didn't know how to leave little Johnny. Am I doing okay? This explains why a man leaves his father and mother. So that's the first part of the verse and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now Adam and his wife were both naked, but neither felt any shame. It's important that we look at what God's original intent is, because if we know what God's original intent, we'll know how He wanted us to live. And according to this passage, God's original intent was that we have intimacy, connection, and no shame. Say those with me so that you'll remember it. God's original intent is what? Intimacy. I just got to be honest. First service, much better. Much better. You guys are weak. Weak. Okay, so say it again. Intimacy, connection, no shame. Not bad. Still not quite as good as first service, but that's all right. Okay. So my question today is, how do we go from intimacy connection and no shame to despair and guilt and marriages that are struggling. Well, before we 
talk about what it means to be devoted for a lifetime, we need to know why marriages are in trouble. And there's many, many things that we could talk about, but today I want you to just consider two things that are causing a misunderstanding, that are causing unhealthy attitudes. And the first is the media. I started thinking about this this week after, after Dave talked about last week um, about Tina Turner and quoting the the that love is just a secondhand emotion. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a, a quiz together on love song knowledge. Okay? How many of you like 80's music? Okay, you, you don't know what music is. That's just all that Cindy Lauper junk and I just can't stand it. Those of you that like music in the 80's, you would know Pat Benatar said love is a what? A battlefield. Boy, that's what I want with my wife for 33 years, right? A battlefield. Now, if you go back into real music, if you go back a little further than, than the 80s, a very popular tune by um, a group called Jim Morrison and the Doors. How many of you have ever heard of Jim Morrison? There, there's my people right there. Okay, He had this wonderful quote in a song. I love you, I love you... Won't you, anybody, tell me your name? Wow, that's a terrible thought, isn't it? Okay, how about, how about uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash? If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. There you go. And how about those great, great theologians, the Captain and Tennille, that compared love to something with animals, and they called it muskrat love. Muskrat Susie, muskrat Sam. I, I think I need to see my counselor again because they're doing the jitterbug in muskrat land, okay? Now, before this group right here thinks, oh, that old school music is terrible, how about today with, with Taylor Swift where she sings in blank slate, love is a game, who wants to what? To play. When we start thinking that, that love is a battlefield and love is just something that we play with and if you can't be with the one you love, just love the one you're with, it affects our minds and you know how I know? You filled in the blanks. You knew the answers. We listened to it. And when we hear this constant bombarding of, of a misunderstanding what love is, it's no wonder behind the white picket fences there's trouble. But before we get too hard on the media, you know who else is to blame? The church. First of all, because we put it in our minds. But also, for generations, the church, and I'm not, just, I'm not talking about TBA, I'm talking about the universal church, has done a very, very poor job of teaching what it means for God's original intent to be love, connection, intimacy, and no shame. Some of you are going to think I'm making this up, but, but I've, it's, it's true. Church authorities uh, generations ago prepared an edict when married couples could have sex. And one church said that married couples could not have sex on Thursdays because Jesus was arrested on Thursdays. Nor could they on Fridays because Jesus was crucified on Fridays. And it was forbidden on Saturday because they had to honor the Virgin Mary. 
And Sundays it wasn't allowed because Christ's resurrection took place on Sundays. So now you're down to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but, but the edict continued. You can't have sex 40 days before Easter. You can't have sex 40 days before Christmas. And you can't 40 days after Pentecost. So some guy figured out that only leaves 44 days. And with misinformation like that, it's no wonder there's a misunderstanding. It's no wonder our society is confused. Because for years and years and years, the church failed to talk about it. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. But hear this clearly. Love, sex, and devotion were God's ideas. Right? Say that with me. Love, sex, and devotion were God's ideas. God's ideas. There's an author by the name of Brian Wilkerson who wrote, We must first and loudest from the pulpit say that sex is great and that it's God's idea. He stated, it's not like Adam and Eve didn't just one day emerge from the bushes uh, red-faced and breathless and announce, hey God, you'll never believe what we just came up with. Love, sex, and devotion are God's ideas and for that we say we have a great God when it's used properly. I want to pause just for a moment and I want to remind every person in here of a wonderful truth. And that's what? That you and I can be forgiven. You agree with that? You and I can be forgiven. And there's nothing too great for God to forgive. Don't believe the lie of our adversary that says you can't be forgiven. And just like God can forgive us when we lie, or just like God can forgive us when we steal, and just like God can forgive us In any area, please remember that God can and will forgive in the areas of sexual relationship. It doesn't matter if it's premarital, extramarital, or homosexual activity. God wants to forgive. Somebody here today needs to believe that. And needs to be reminded. Because one of the reasons why churches haven't talked about this is it's, it's painful to a lot of people. But I want you to know that God can forgive. So now that we've talked about the, the sources of why marriages are in trouble and behind all these white picket fences and manicured lawns when we think everybody else is okay, but marriages is in struggling, how then... Do we stay committed? Do we stay devoted for a lifetime? And that's my charge today, to talk to you about how do you stay committed for a lifetime. And today I want you to think about creating four different atmospheres. There's more than that. And when I say atmosphere, I'm not talking about Kenny G and Barry White and Candlelight or anything like that. Four different atmospheres. And here's the first. An atmosphere of unselfishness. All of us can remember, can memorize Philippians 2-3. Don't be what? Selfish. Don't be selfish. Oftentimes in marriage counseling, people talk about how there's normally like five big problems in marriage. Money, sex, in-laws, kids, and um, 
in-laws, in-laws, in... No, I didn't say that out loud, did I? Okay, time. But you know what the root of a lot of those problems is? It's selfishness. It's selfishness. We put ourselves before our spouse. So I think one of the things that... If you want a love that will last for a lifetime, stop putting yourself first. Am I doing okay? See, marriage is not based on if she'll do 50%, I'll do 50%. Marriage is based on I am going to love and be committed and to stop putting myself first. And one way we do that is that our first thought be with our spouse. I love our three pastors. And I've known Brian Leg, oh my, probably 15 plus years. And I'm very, very proud of the leader he's become. But when he and Sherry were first married, they were a part of a newly married class that met at Narita and I's house. Brian and Jane, I think you, you were a part of that as well. One Sunday night came up and I said, I can't be here uh, next week. Who could host it? And Brian, that big, bold leader, says, Sherry and I will do it. Now, Sherry was working with the children that night, so she wasn't there. And I said, Brian, do you think you probably should ask Sherry first? Oh, no, it's not a problem. We're going to take care of this. We'll host it. About three months later, I raised the same question. And I said, Hey, Narita and I can't be in town. Anybody want to host next week? Brian said, let me talk to Sherry. <laughs> but he learned to put his spouse first. And oftentimes, one of the biggest problems we have in marriage and why we're not devoted for a lifetime is because we're selfish. Am I doing okay? So create an atmosphere of being unselfish. Not only create an atmosphere of unselfishness, but create an atmosphere of godly words. Jesus said these words in Matthew 12, 34. This is easy to remember because it's Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. Jesus said these words, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And when he's talking about in your heart, he's talking about what you think about all the time. Now, for instance, if you and I want to have a conversation why the Florida Gators are better than the Ohio State Buckeyes, I can have that conversation all day. Why? Because that's what I think about. 42 to 14, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm... Okay? But I don't know a whole lot about the Lakeland Symphony. Do we have a symphony here? Okay, I don't know. Why? Because I don't know much about symphonies. I don't think about it. So it's rare that I would ever talk to you about a symphony. Why? Because it's not in my heart. The things that are in your heart spill out with what we talk about. And this ties back into what Stivey talked about two weeks ago. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. Men, have a question. 
do the words that you say both publicly and privately help your wife to feel loved and cherished? Do your words uplift and encourage her? Do your words say, I believe in you. I love you. I care for you. Ladies, if your husband would walk in on a conversation, would he feel respected? See, I'm confident that, that guys could charge a hill if they know their wife believes in them. Guys, isn't that true? We need that feeling of respect and we need it more from the person that we share life with more than anybody else. Guys, when you talk about your wife, do you brag about her in public? Not trying to make her into a trophy wife or anything like that, but do you talk about her accomplishments? Do you talk about how beautiful she is? Song of Solomon is a book that is written between a husband and a wife and it, it talks about love, sex, and devotion. And this is going to sound like kind of a funny compliment, but listen to what the husband said about his wife in Song of Solomon. You are beautiful, my beloved. How beautiful. So he's starting out okay, right ladies? Your eyes behind the veil are like doves. Okay, that's, that's okay. Your hair falls like waves, but then he says... Your hair falls like waves, like a flock of goats. <laughs> okay, now I'm from Lake Wales. In Lake Wales, that's pitching major woo right there, buddy. I mean to tell you, yeah, honey, your hair's like a flock of goats. Okay, frisking down the slopes. In verse 2, your teeth are white as sheep, newly shorn and washed. They are perfectly matched. Not one is missing. Once again, in Lake Wales, boy, your teeth, you got them all. Yes, sir. And, and the ones you got, they're not only shiny, they're straight. You're so beautiful, my beloved. Perfect in every part. Now, I kind of added some humor to that. But guys, when you talk about your wives, do your words reflect love? Or do you just use her as a punching bag for jokes? Ladies, I said it a moment ago. Sorry, I'm not used to using this clicker. But ladies, I said it a moment ago. Every guy needs to feel respect. Most of all, from their spouse. How many of you remember the Rocky movies? Anybody? I don't know if it was Rocky 1, Rocky 2, or Rocky takes on uh, Hansel and Gretel. I don't remember which one it was in. But Rocky didn't want to fight because he felt like his wife didn't want him to fight. And she's in the hospital. And Rocky goes up and he's just kind of moping around, moping around. And she, he leans down and she says three words. Win, Rocky, win. And then you hear the dun 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 Okay, what's that talking about? It's respect. Rocky, I believe in you. Rocky, you can do this. Ladies, let me let you in on a secret. Most guys won't admit this, but 
we're not nearly as tough as we like to make ourselves known. We're just not. That's why the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. Do your words reflect that? So not only do we have an attitude of unselfishness, not only do we have an attitude of godly words, but the next one ties into both of those, and that's an attitude of godly thoughts. Consider what the Bible says in Psalm. May the words of my mouth, that's what we just talked about, right? Godly words and what? The meditations of my heart. So Lord, it's not just the things that I talk about, but it's the things that I what? That I think about. Lord, let these be pleasing in our sight. That verse now that is a little bit covered up. About a year ago, through no fault of our own, and the problem wasn't with Narita and me, but I was really struggling going through something. And, and we have a chalkboard at our house that, that we put different scriptures on. And Narita placed this one. Above all else. In other words, no matter what you're going through, no matter what people have done, no matter what you have done or haven't done, what's it say? Guard your heart. Say those words with me. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows out of it. Guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. There are some people who would never, ever, ever say anything derogatory either publicly or privately about their spouse, but in their minds they'll rip them apart. And they'll sit around and they'll concentrate and they'll think about all those things that their spouse does that they don't approve of. As I said earlier, in two weeks Narita and I are, are going to be married for 33 years and Every once in a while, she does something that ticks me off. Our marriage is far, far, far from perfect. But here's what I try to do. One time I made a list of all the qualities that I love about Narita. And when those negative thoughts creep in, you know what I start doing? Thinking about those positive qualities. And this calendar year, I started something different. Every week, I'll try to take one of those characteristics and think about it um, throughout the week. Last, last week, it, it was that she loves a challenge. This week, it's that she's mischievous. I don't know if you know this, but when Narita was at Warner, they had this big foosball tournament at Christmas time. My wife stole the foosballs from the activity center and hid them in the nativity scene under the baby Jesus. Okay? Every guy on campus was frustrated because somebody stole the foosballs. All these years later, it was my bride. Okay? Do you have that list? I'm certain all of us could write lists of things we don't like, but is that what we want to concentrate on? Out of the outflow of our heart, 
the mouth speaks. Do we speak love or do we speak respect? Another way that she showed me respect when we first started dating, you remember Dean Cook? Dean Cook, he was a guy at campus. He thought he was God's gift to women. And he goes up to Narita like this and he says, Ken, I mean Narita, I just have one question. What does Ken Bish got that I ain't got? You know what she said right away? Me. <laughs> wow. There you go. I mean, that's been 35 years ago and I still remember it. But it starts in the mind, doesn't it? Okay, got to keep moving. An atmosphere of what? Unselfishness. An atmosphere of godly words. An atmosphere of godly thoughts. And there's more, but today I want to wrap it up with an atmosphere of remembrance. An atmosphere of remembrance. What do I mean by an atmosphere of remembrance? First of all, just remember why God created marriage. And second of all, remember why God intends marriage to be for a lifetime. Why did God create marriage? It goes back to that verse that I had you stand for. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two would become one. Our spouses make us better people. If we allow them. I wouldn't be near the man I am today if it wasn't for my spouse. And God's the one that created that. God created love, sex, and devotion. Let's don't demean sex by making it a simple exchange of bodily fluids. Or let's don't demean it by, I love you, I love you, won't you tell me your name? But love, sex, and devotion are what? They're a sacred trust. They're a sacred trust. Because God's the one that created it. Why does God command marriage to be for a lifetime? Ask yourself the question, why does God command anything? Why does God command us to forgive? Because it's in our best interest. Why does God command us not to lie? Because it's in our best interest. Why does God command us to be good stewards of 100% of the money that He's given us. Notice I didn't say 10. I said 100. And I'm not a preacher anymore, so I'm not just trying to bilk you for money. Okay? 100% of what God has given us is all His. Why does He say use it wisely? Because it's in our best interest. And when it comes to love, sex, and devotion, why did God create marriage to be for a lifetime? Say it with me, because it's in our best interest. In June, a couple of months from now, my parents will celebrate 59 years of marriage. 59. Now, my dad's health is not good, so they can't really travel any, anymore. But I promise you, he's going to be listening to the podcast as soon as it's uploaded. Would you do me a favor? You've never met my parents, a lot of you. Would you give them a hand for 59 years? Thank you. I have a lot of wonderful memories of my parents, but one of the most treasured happened just about a year ago. 
My dad was the shortest person in his family and he was 6'1". My mom claimed to be five foot a half inch. She was lying. She was probably 4'11". Guess which side of the family I take, take from, okay? <clears throat> dad was always this strong, um, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, nobody's going to tell me what to do type of guy. Which is one of the reasons he's lived so long because he hasn't wanted to give up. For the last several years his heart's been bad and his legs are going bad and so he can't drive anymore and mom drives him around and one day they were walking to the car. This was just about a year ago and I was standing behind them and they got up to a curb that was only about an inch like that. And my little mom takes my dad by the arm and slowly helps him down the step. That's devotion. That's devotion. Fifty-nine years. Twenty years ago, my family moved to Lakeland so that I could become the pastor of this church. Looking back, wow, I was a kid. <laughs> I was just a kid. I had no idea what I was doing. But one of the men who mentored me in this church was Gordon Howe. A lot of you remember Gordon, right? Yeah. One of the ways Gordon would mentor me was argue with me. Almost every other Monday, Gordon would be in my office telling me about the changes that we were making and how much he was opposed to them. Music's too loud, this and this and this. But Gordon would leave there and he would never complain to anybody. Earlier, I stated that I wouldn't be the man that I am today if it wasn't for my wife. I wouldn't be the man that I am today if it wasn't for Gordon Howe. And I want to take that a step further. This church, TBA Church, would not be here if it wasn't for the labor of years and years and years for Gordon Howe and Phil and Jane Germany and a lot of people that have gone before us. Gordon is now, as you know, they moved back to Indiana because Nita's health is just not good. And in the last few years, Gordon's life has really been taking care of his wife. As a means of showing the benefits of being devoted to your spouse, we put together a slideshow with pictures of Gordon and Nita. Now this is not to honor Gordon and Nita nearly as much as it is to cause us to remember a lifetime of devotion. And in the background, the music is, is by Stephen Curtis Chapman. He's a Christian singer, and after he was married, so he was well into his adult years, his parents got a divorce. And after the divorce, he wrote this song called, I Will Be Here. And that's the one that's playing in the background. So as our band comes forward, I'd like you to watch this video and remember that you 
can be, de be devoted for a lifetime. Go ahead. 